1: What's up, I do Podcast listeners?
0: Thanks for joining us on the show today.
1: Today, we have Stephanie O'Connell, and we are talking about all things money and finances. And Stephanie is an expert in the field of uh, finances, particularly around millennials. And I was asking, Sarah, who are millennials? I guess we are millennials. We're
0: like right on the cusp, I think.
1: 31 and 32, respectively. <laughs> But you said what if you're born 82, 82 to 2000
0: I you know what I don't know if it's 2000 but I know it's like 82 83 to well somewhere we should probably google that
1: Yeah and well figure it's it out. It doesn't have to be specific age group to know that it's important to communicate around finances. And Stephanie talks about the things that we need to communicate about and specifically uh, how to navigate everything from dating and finances to to engagement in, in marriage. And Sarah and I particularly have had a few issues around finances that we've really been addressing most of our relationship and Sarah and I look at money very differently. And we talk about how that can be a conflict and how that can be resolved. And and like so many things we talk about, a lot of it centers around communication. So Stephanie gives us some tips on exactly how to lay that out.
0: Yeah. And um, like Chase just said, we've We've talked about finances before on the podcast, and we've actually talked about an episode where we discussed the differences, how he's a a saver and I'm more of a spender. So if that uh, is something that you want to look at or listen to um, and see how it works with your relationship, we'll link to that in the show notes page so you guys can check that out. We found it super valuable and, and we kind of I think from that point, we kind of realized why we were having these arguments or discussions about money. And it was really came down to the fact that our personalities were different. But
1: yeah, it's a me, whole
0: other episode. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but it's it's super important because it can be obviously money makes world go round, right? Like money's not a uh, Particularly big part of our lives, we're n- not too materialistic. So, but at the end of the day, we got to buy groceries. We're going to go out to eat, and we got to buy things, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And if we're not on the same page, doesn't mean we have to agree with how to spend it necessarily. A lot of times, you're not going to be exactly like your partner in many aspects, and especially when it comes to finances. So, but the key is. Like I said, third time now, communicate.
0: Communication. Yes. Yeah. And I uh, I really enjoyed, we talked about, you know, her focus is on finances with millennials. And at the end of the interview, we asked her if there's any trends or anything new that she sees in finances uh, regarding millennials. And we, you know, we talked about it. And the the main thing that she said was, that a lot of millennials are going into relationships later in life because they are in debt, whether from college or they're just their focus isn't on relationships right away and more on their finances and getting out of debt before they jump into a relationship. So that was super interesting to hear.
1: Yeah, it was. And so the moral of the story is, Don't go to university. uh, Save your money, and you get married (laughs) earlier, (laughs) or not? (laughs) Uh, Or not? I'm just kidding. That's. I guess that's a different podcast topic. But certainly, if you're out there and you're about to go to med school, sink six figures into debt. Think about if you really want to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. I'm not kidding. I'm serious. No, I know. Serious. I know. But that'll be on my education podcast coming out shortly.
0: (laughs) Oh, and I did. I just Googled uh, uh, when millennials are born and it says that is from the early 80s to the mid 90s. All right. So we are.
1: Early 80s, mid 90s. We are and probably a lot of you guys out there. And as always, we appreciate you tuning in and a lot of great stuff in today's episode. So enjoy.
0: Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company that lets you choose from over 1,500 licensed therapists. Get matched with your perfect therapist today by visiting Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me.
1: Stephanie, we've given our listeners a little overview, told them about your expertise in finance. So why don't you tell us about why you enjoy helping people improve the financial areas of their life?
2: So I'm really passionate about personal finance because money touches everything, every single aspect of our lives. And that goes from our careers to our um, goals and values to our relationships, and it really serves as a tool that enables us to build our lives around our values and our priorities and on our own terms. So the more we are able to earn it and to maximize it, the easier it becomes to prioritize the things that matter most to us. And I think that's a pretty noble mission um from my own experience because, you know, managing my own money enabled me to, you know, go and start my own company and to help other people and to have a mission driven business and work on my own time and on my own terms. And so it completely changed my life. And I think everyone deserves to be able to do the same thing and build their lifestyles on their terms. And money is a great tool for doing that.
1: Yeah, and as much as we need money, obviously, to navigate our daily lives. It can create a lot of tension or conflict, both individually and then certainly within a relationship. So we're going to talk about a few different things. And we've had episodes in the past where we talk about finances. I know personally, in Sarah and I's marriage, it has been... particular area that we've tried to work on, just communicating around, setting things up, because it, it, it can create some conflict if you're not on the same page with your partner. And regardless if you're married or dating and, and or or single, there's important things to, to sort of address. So what would you say is one of the most important things or areas that you find people having problems with, whether it's individually or as a couple, I know this is kind of a broad question, but but is there like a, a sticking point when it comes to finances that there's trouble?
2: Yeah, it's, it's not doing anything. So, you know, it's funny because everyone knows what they're supposed to do with money. It's kind of like health and fitness. We all kind of know what we're supposed to do. Be- Doing. We know we should be exercising. We know we should be eating healthy. Money, we know we should be saving. We know we should be spending less than we earn. But when it comes to actually doing it, we struggle. And that's because life is expensive. We run into roadblocks and we run into challenges. Um, And ultimately, what happens is there tends to be a lot of overwhelm and anxiety. And instead of engaging with that overwhelm and anxiety, we kind of take a step back from it and pretend like okay, I'm just not going to deal with it. If I don't give this any attention, then I don't have to deal with it. And that's not true because the money problem is still there even when we're not dealing with it. And usually, whether it's in the context of a relationship or by yourself, if you're not dealing with the problem, it's getting worse. And so you know, being in debt and not, not proactively making a plan to pay it off is a great example of this because it's something that's really tangible. And if you ignore it, the debt grows you can go into default, you can get, maybe if you're lucky, you can file for bankruptcy if it's not a student loan. So uh, the biggest thing is really just kind of like backing away and thinking, oh, I'll get to it when I'll get to it when I have time or when I make more money or when I learn something about it or when I have guidance or when I get married. And the real thing needs to be that we, we need to all Start dealing with it today because the biggest asset any of us has in dealing with our money is our own time. If we just give it the time and attention, we can, we have the power to completely change our relationship with money and our relationship with our futures and our relationship with the people who surround
0: us. So, what advice would you give our listeners who are either uh, dating or they've gotten engaged and they are now? not necessarily combining finances but they're bringing their finances together and maybe one person isn't as good as with finances as the other and you know now they're kind of becoming one what advice would you give them to navigate those challenges on being financially savvy so navigating money challenges are
2: a relationship is similar to navigating a lot of challenges in a relationship. And it really comes down to open and honest and frequent communication. And what I tell people is that if you're getting to the point of commitment to a relationship where you're really seeing a future with this person, whether that's six months in, a year in, um, what you really want to start talking about are numbers that have the potential to affect your partner. And so this means getting honest about Maybe student loan debt you have, maybe credit card debt you have, maybe a bad credit score, maybe vastly different incomes, because those by definition, if you're building a future together, are going to have an effect on the other person in the relationship. And so it's a responsibility um, to and a respect to your partner to be honest about the fact that, you know what, maybe as we're you know applying for apartments we work on improving my credit score first, or maybe you just put your credit on the application because otherwise we might not get approved rather than, you know, going through the process of going to apartments and getting rejected and then having this resentment build because one partner then finds out that the other person's score is keeping them from getting an apartment. And that's just an example, but it's are hey, your, your, financial circumstances have the potential to affect your partner. You really have to start getting honest about what the disparities are. And then in terms of addressing those disparities and about being really open and not judging or criticizing your partner, but rather, you know, making an effort to set shared goals together. And focusing on your shared plans and your shared future and how you can both build towards financial circumstances that will enable you to afford that future rather than casting blame or judgment on their past decisions.
1: Yeah, it's like so many things we talk about on the show. A key element of success is communication and it seems so simple it's like you have a problem talk about it uh but a lot of times we don't do that so even you don't have to be in a serious relationship but certainly if you are uh it's important but if you're dating you know maybe not on the first date but eventually you need to talk about these things and especially if you're getting more serious um i know we've talked about on the show in the past but one of the things that sarah and i have struggled with and try to work work on and i'm sure other people do is that we look at money a little bit differently i'm very frugal and and i don't mean it, it's just i'm actually not proud of it necessarily like i'm i'm just I hate spending money. Like it's, it, I just like to save. And Sarah, I don't want to say she's, she's like just tossing money around, but she's not like that. She, she's still responsible. I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to paint the picture. She's I'm more of a spender. Yeah. She's more of a spender. So that has been <laughs> an area that we've really had to communicate on. And, and I will say, uh, I, I feel, well, I try to say, I don't necessarily do it and communicate it well, but that's what the part we're working on is that, you know, hey, when you do this, it makes me feel this way. And then maybe in the future, and then we try to talk it out. If I don't do that, in which oftentimes I'll be more blaming or maybe controlling towards her, like, hey, why did you buy that? And it's like that I'll let Sarah speak for herself, but that really bothers her, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it's it kind of reverts back to feeling like I'm being parented um, with the choices that I spend my money on. But, you know, and we've talked to other guests before, like Chase said, in the financial area, and they actually recommended um, not doing what we do with finances, which is keeping, you know, separate accounts. And we actually have one account. So that doing it that way could have possibly fixed you they know they
1: recommended separate accounts yeah
0: separate accounts so you know and that's something that we don't have but you know we're working on it so going forward with um, with our listeners when they are splitting up their finances or deciding whether they want to have a one account or, or separate accounts what would you recommend in that area and then how would you recommend them splitting up Uh, Who pays for what? Okay. So in terms of when you're in like a very committed relationship,
2: because that's very different from dating. Mm -hmm. um, So I'm going to address that first. There's three things to really consider. And the first is what you're talking about with logistics. That's like how you're going to manage your money as a couple. And um, where where is the money going to be? Are you going to have separate accounts? Are you going to have combined accounts? Are you going to have a hybrid where you create a few joint accounts, uh, like a joint checking and a joint savings for shared expenses and savings goals that link to your individual checking and savings accounts? Um, You can have one of you tracking the bills and the daily inflows and outflows while your partner focuses on, you know, bigger picture stuff, Um, whatever it is. It Really, I don't think it matters as long as it works for both of you and you're both involved in all the processes and communicating about them. What I do think is that you are communicating and agreeing and making financial decisions as a team. So that includes logistics as much as it does expectations, rules and boundaries. So for example, is there a certain spend threshold, a dollar amount at which you and your partner uh, will need to stop and check in with one another before buying something? Uh, Will you have a designated amount you both contribute to your shared savings accounts if you do have separate accounts? And that allows you to spend... Really, otherwise because you've made the commitment to your shared savings already? Uh, do you have any boundaries? Like we don't lend money to other people or we don't use credit cards, you know, getting clear on what your expectations are of each other is really very important. Um, and then the last piece, you know, so we talk about logistics, so we talk about boundaries and finally, you know, goals. So a long-term relationship needs to address more than day-to-day financial questions like the daily ins and out, and who pays for what. It needs to consider what are your long-term financial needs and goals. So aligning what you want in the next five to 10 to 20 years, uh, really getting clear on what your visions are for, let's say, retirement or, you know, all the life you want to live before that and assessing what it is you need to have in place financially to achieve those goals um, and aligning your vision for what that future is. And once you've shared those goals, you know, you can make a list of of the top few that you both want to achieve, making sure that they're realistic and that they're manageable. And then review them. Review your progress. Have a regular monthly money date where you say, you know, is the logistical system we have in place working for us? Is it bringing us closer to our goals or is it pushing us further away from them? Are the money boundaries we have in place working for us or are they just, you know, do we need to clarify them or adjust them to account for new circumstances? So you know, it's about not only setting these logistical points and the goals and the boundaries, but also regularly checking in and reassessing and communicating about them.
1: Yeah, that's so important. And that really goes back to communication right is but those are specific things to communicate about but it's like and the big thing I take from that is is don't assume you know don't assume that you know your partner yeah. and that and that uh well they'll come to me if they're going to spend a thousand dollars surely they'll do that <laughs> you know and then and yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a big thing um to do and then really just writing those things out uh is it's a valuable exercise that I think when we did it uh, a couple years ago when we first did it it was like it didn't fix everything but it was certainly a place to start.
0: Mhm. Yeah and I I love how you say uh, to talk about your goals too cuz it's so easy just to you know put away your monthly uh, retirement or your savings but then not really think about coming back to that and saying, oh, maybe you're making more money now. Can you put more away? Or I want to save for this and this. Um, and it may be more of a short-term goal within a couple of years versus a long-term goal. So I really like that idea.
2: Yeah. And if you focus on the goals, that also helps keep the feeling of judgment or attacking your out a little bit further away. Like It's really easy to be like, oh, well, you know, it's, it's about the goals it's not about our plan together It's the plan we set to reach our goals rather than like you're doing this and this is messing everything up and everything you can always just bring it to the shared plan you have together and that really helps you sidestep being judgmental and going into a full communication breakdown
1: so that is something that someone can do in a more committed uh relationship now what if someone is uh casually dating and and it's a few dates in like it's not like the first date, obviously, second date, but like you you kind of like this person, but it's like, all right, you've been out a bunch of times and every time you're picking up the tab and maybe you can't continue to do yeah. that, you know, can't afford that. Um, how can you navigate that?
2: Yeah, so so in the in the dating area, um, what I really think about how I approach the the money, not discussion, but the money assessment, is really as a matter of compatibility. So you're really looking for uh, context cues, behaviors, language, behaviors like never picking up the check, or on the reverse, always picking up the check, to assess a person's relationship to money, much like you would assess them on kind of any personality trait. You know, having a sense of humor is important to you. You're going to be on the lookout for what kind of jokes they tell, what kind of TV they watch. The same thing applies with money. So what we can look at is the behavior of our partner, again, with how they decide to share costs on dates or not share costs on dates. react if you say you do want share costs, we can look at what kind of dates they recommend and the associated expenses. We can see if they have champagne tastes. Um, <laughs> we can see what their reaction is if we recommend more, you know, frugal or low key activity, and see if they're amenable to that or they have a reaction to it. Uh, we can see how discussions about money, when they do come up, even if it's just in the ever so slight way of how um, how we're came to this or you know, again, how the, what their response is to you suggesting a, a, a cheaper alternative or using a coupon, let's say, um, you can gauge so much from these kinds of context cues. And what uh, what I like to do in the beginning of a relationship is not try to be too judgmental, but rather to say, you know, does this behavior and, and this is the way this person talk and feel and think to value money coincide with my own values around money? And it's not to say that, um, you know, if a person spends $100 at the bar every weekend, it doesn't seem to have a to count that it's a total deal breaker. But it is a red flag, it is, or maybe an orange flag, and it's something to keep in mind so that when I do feel comfortable, you know, enough in the relationship to address any issue that I think might actually be an issue at some point later down the line, I'm going to say, you know, I'm... Not directly, like, I think you spend that money badly, but I can say, you know what, um, I'm trying to stick to a budget right now. Would you be up for, you know, ordering in, uh, Chinese food? Or if you would come over and I'll cook something for you. And that can really serve as a way to kind of open the door to them understanding where you stand and like behaviors and how many are in, in a non-confrontational way. And you know, maybe start a conversation about, oh, okay, well, you know, um, would it be okay if we did like a nice date night once a month, or you know, every two weeks? Just so you're kind of having an indirect conversation, but really, it's about it's about your relationship and and the way you spend and how that reflects your values in relationship to money.
0: And I'm I'm sure you would also recommend that. They talk about splitting up the check when it comes to who makes more money, right? Because if, if one person makes significantly more money than the other, then you would think that one person, that person would chip in more, right? Or, I mean, how should that be addressed?
2: It depends on what point of your relationship you're at. Um, I don't I don't know that on a first date you're gonna have a conversation about your salaries and then how you respectively should be splitting the bill. I think, you know, managing disparate incomes really becomes something that that happens as you start moving towards a greater commitment. And then at the point of moving towards a greater commitment, you're hopefully able to actually talk about these things really openly and honestly and transparently and different incomes absolutely has a very significant effect on the way that you handle bills together and share expenses together and you know you might not be moving in together but like you said if you're going out to dinner frequently you can be if you're the person for example who doesn't make as much money you can say you know first person here's you know the reality of my finances and what i feel i can afford to spend on going out and i would like to do that with you but i still like to spend time together in other ways that don't really cost a lot of money, and then they can respond and say, well, let me take you out because I make more money. Now, that way you're not saying, well, you have to pay. You're just kind of expressing what you're able to do, and then they can come in and offer to, you know, pick up the check or take you out or treat you. That said, I would also be wary of someone who is uncomfortable with you contributing any to, anything to the relationship. You know, if they're uncomfortable ever splitting a bill, if they're uncomfortable with you ever... Picking up a, a check or something that could be a, a bad sign because that kind of behavior can lead to financial dependency and financial dependency um when you become dependent on them rather it's a it's a breeding ground for financial abuse so they know that you've become dependent on them then they're really able to keep you from may- maybe leaving if the relationship becomes emotionally or or physically abusive, so I definitely recommend, even if you're not the primary wager earner in a relationship, that you have a an active role in the financial aspect of the relationship.
1: Yeah, it's it's super important, and there's obviously a ton of different circumstances and and things to to consider and. And, you know, obviously we can't go through all of them, but I think that the key and like a lot of things we talk about is don't assume and, and really communicate on these, uh, these issues because they're not going to, to fix themselves. And if you're upset and then you're going to be resentful and your partner can't read your mind either. So, uh, these are really important things. And then especially in a long-term relationship, establishing, uh, a set of rules too. Like, like you mentioned, like if you're going to spend a certain amount of money, we need to talk about it. But then in the same instance, if it's under that, then we don't need to talk about it. And that's where like Sarah and I have worked to establish that because she felt like she needed to come to me for, for everything, you know, as far as not to get approval, but more so that, so she didn't have to deal with my bad reaction. And that was something that I had to work on when the reality is, is she doesn't need to, uh, necessarily ask for permission to, to buy $60 pair of sunglasses or you name it. Um, but that we do have an upper limit, which actually we, we haven't set. So maybe that'll be the project, uh, that we, we sit down and write out.
0: Mac. well we kind of did we kind of decided if it was under a hundred dollars then okay but as long as you're not doing a hundred dollars every day and then all right, <laughs> <that's> all right. <laughs>
1: yeah we have to have that stipulation <laughs> i
0: like what you're saying just
2: because i think um i think people have the sense that you know i don't want to have rules or restrictions or or limits you know this is my partner we share everything and that's all well and good but just think of how what You're saying about, you know, having a very clear benchmark at which you check in with your partner, that gives you freedom. You know, it it gives you that kind of flexibility and that sense that someone doesn't have to feel like they have to check in with you um, for every little thing. And it gives them more freedom in the day to day. And it's only when you're really talking about bigger picture stuff that you need to check in. And so
0: in that way, these kinds of boundaries and limits can actually be very freeing. Absolutely. And I think because I was so independent prior to, um, you know, meeting Chase and then us combining finances, I really, you know, I, I still crave that that independent, I guess, mentality of, of finances. And so when I feel like I'm being controlled, although it's not necessarily control, it's kind of sticking to our budget or, or going with what we agree on. If Chase brings it up, I, I kind of have that like, don't parent me attitude. When I, you know, I, I I shouldn't. I should. We should just talk about it, you know, calmly and and how and um, what we've agreed on. But yeah, it kind of brings back those independent woman feelings, <laughs> if that makes sense. And so I totally get that. <laughs> so I'm just curious. Um, are there any big trends or big differences you see with our generation of millennials when it comes to finances and uh, finances in relationships that's different from the past?
2: Well, I would say millennials are different on both finances and relationships independently. Um, and I think that by definition changes the way millennials deal with money in relationships, um, mostly because you know, millennials are coming in from their own relationships with money with usually a lot of debt. Usually a lot of student loans, a lot of the people are struggling just to make ends meet and break a paycheck to paycheck to cycle. They go through their entire 20s, kind of never really getting ahead. And that's really that that those prime dating years. And that's where a lot of relationships form. And that's where you know people start maybe thinking about getting married. And what's been happening is we've been seeing the average age of marriage um, get older and older and older. And I think part of that is because of these financial issues. People do want to feel like they can take care of themselves before necessarily starting a, a family. Uh, or by contrast, maybe someone doesn't want to take on your debt. And so they won't, you know, sign a legal document that puts them, you know, kind of on, uh, on the hook for you. And I know new relationships have broken up because of that, um, which is why, you know, full financial disclosure and getting aligned on what you are willing to take on or not willing to take on before is really important. And that's probably what we're seeing o- among millennials now. Uh, the other thing is, I think we're also seeing a big change in family dynamics. It's a lot of younger people may never get married. It might not be a priority for them. Uh, and so managing money, you know, from the aspect of being, you know, single your whole life, maybe being a single parent, um, maybe Maybe having relationships in which you cohabitate but don't benefit from a lot of the financial protections that you get by being married. Um, These are just a whole bunch of new challenges that millennials are dealing with. In greater numbers than we've seen maybe Gen Xers or even baby boomers deal with. And jury's out on how it's all going to go down. Um, But, you know, the thing I do admire very much about millennials is that we really build things on our own terms. And I think that's really great. We just need need to accept the responsibility that comes with it. And that responsibility is facing our financial lives and taking ownership of our financial choices and our financial future.
1: Absolutely. And, and with technology now i'm just thinking uh, obviously being responsible financially is a, is a huge thing and coming out of college uh, a lot of kids now have have a lot of debt and that is interesting um this is the first time i've heard it as a reason that People are delaying marriage. Obviously there's a bunch of reasons that the culture is shifting, but certainly if you're racked with six figures in debt, uh it's not the first thing on your mind. It's more like, all right, I gotta get a job and work and and you're just you might not be on the dating scene because of that. So that's interesting. And then I was also thinking like now going back to what we were talking about earlier. Just dating and navigating the ins and outs of that with finances. But with apps now, like the, the cash app and, and there's like, uh, was it Zizo, uh, Venmo, but there's a bunch of these apps where you can just pay someone back, like basically with a click of a button. So now it could kind of, I mean, I would imagine Sarah and I have been together for almost a decade now. So I, we know nothing about this, but like you're on a date. It's like, Oh yeah, here, here's 10 bucks for the. You know, think. You know what I mean? Like it's it's so informal that I I, I don't know if if you know, but is that happening? Like that that uh, people are doing that?
2: i my my boyfriend and I do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Like uh, yeah, <laughs> we've been together for five years too. So you know, if, if he feels like maybe like picked up too many checks, so he'll Venmo me. He He's like, oh, this one's for the last dinner. Yeah, you know. If, it's just, it's just, a pain, you know, it's, this is all like, all these landscapes are changing all at the same time, and the way they intersect is really funny. So, you know, you have the whole change in payment landscape, and so, you know, it's not about who's putting their credit card down or the check down anymore. It's really a lot of things, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, is that the payment conversation doesn't necessarily end when the bill goes away, because the can choose to Venmo you at any time. So, it, it's definitely shifting things. Completely. Completely. And that's why maybe the, this dialogue, this idea of communication and, and expectations and setting boundaries is maybe more important than ever.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then maybe in a few years, the app will just like automatically deduct it. It'd be like, it'll know you're on a date and it'll, it'll <laughs> it's know <like>, your really? <laughs> preferences. It'll know each of your salaries. So whoever is making more based on their income to debt ratio, it'll <laughs> automatically Venmo them the money.
0: Oh, you're funny, Chase. That out. is
2: actually <laughs> kind of hilarious and brilliant. I'm not, like, if you had to put your, your salary information into the app and it didn't share it with anyone, but then it divided your meal up as a percentage of what you make, yeah, that would be fascinating.
1: It's going to happen. Stella, <laughs> Stella, our daughter is two. I think you're
2: onto
1: something. Our, our daughter is too. And I said, I mean, this isn't revolutionary thinking, but she's not going to have to learn to drive and uh, she won't have to pay people back because right. it will do it automatically. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephanie, this is all great information. It's going to be really valuable for, for us and I'm sure for our listeners. Now we got to move forward to the lasting love round.
0: But first, let's take a break and talk about one of today's sponsors, Talkspace.
1: Talkspace is an online therapy company that will allow you to choose from thousands of certified and vetted therapists where you can communicate with them directly through your phone, through text, email, video chat. Or voice and it's super easy to do. And obviously you're listening to this podcast. So you want relationship advice, whether you're in a rut or you just want to take your relationship to the next level, talking with a therapist is the best way to get there. Besides listening to I Do Podcast.
0: <laughs> so if you want to sign up today, head on over to Talkspace.com forward slash I Do and get $30 off your first month. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I Do and enter the promo code I Do.
1: Talkspace, therapy for how we live today.
0: Let's face it. Mattresses play a vital role in relationships. Whether you're sleeping on it, or you're doing something else, wink, wink, you should be comfortable on a Casper mattress. Casper mattresses provide all the support the human body needs in all the right places.
1: Yeah, and if your partner's a bed hog like Sarah...
0: (laughs) Oh, no, you didn't.
1: You'll be comfortable on your tiny little portion of a Casper brand mattress that combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of sink and bounce.
0: Casper is not just a mattress company. They offer a wide array of products to ensure an overall better sleep experience. Casper is available at affordable prices because they cut out the middleman and sell directly to the consumer. Casper offers no hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100 night risk free sleep on it trial.
1: Start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. Get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com forward slash I do and using I do at checkout terms and conditions apply that's casper.com forward slash I do and use that promo code I do
0: what is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their finances so they can
2: either use an app or use a simple pen and paper to write down everything they spend and everything they earn. They don't need to mess around with complicated budgets and spreadsheets. They just need to cultivate the practice of engaging with their money on a daily basis and being aware of where their money is going.
1: And isn't, uh, mint, Mint mint.com. Isn't that, uh,
2: mint is fabulous. Yeah.
1: That's a good app. Yes. Are there any books or resources you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their finances?
2: Well, other than my book, (laughs) um, so my book is called The Broke and Beautiful Life. And that my book is really for anyone who's really just kind of starting out engaging their finances journey and maybe having a tough time getting ahead a little bit there's a lot of tips and tricks for saving money for thinking about your personal finances if it overwhelms you it's a really good beginner's guide books i would consider um one really great one is called your money or your life and that's a really good big picture personal finance book to get you thinking differently about money because like i said Money is something we all need to know to deal with. We kind of know what the rules are. We just do not do it. And that's a great book for kind of shifting our minds that we really start engaging with our finances.
0: Great. Well, those resources will be on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com. We've uh, been married for almost three years now. Is there any advice you'd give to newlyweds in regards to dealing with their finances or maybe just for uh, people who are engaged who are looking to combine or um, split up their finances, which works best for them?
2: In terms of logistics, I am really of the opinion that it really depends on every couple and the only way to find out what works for you is to talk about it. And the other thing I would say is that this is the time for full financial disclosure. If you're getting married, you are now going into a legal contract with someone and it is completely disrespectful to not be completely transparent about where you're coming from. I know there can be a lot of emotions wrapped up about our past, maybe about our debt. We might feel shame or anxiety. But you have to be honest with your partner about this stuff. It is, it's at the point that you got to go, as my friend says, get financially naked with your partner and really bear all because it's only from there that you can work towards your shared goals as a team. Otherwise, you're keeping something secret and that can create a problem and break down trust in your relationship.
1: Is there any particular advice you would give our single listeners when it comes to finance and dating?
2: Yeah, so I would say don't wait for the ideal partner to start getting serious about your financial goals. I think especially among women, we're really, really strong independent women. I know, you know, I, I like to think I am, but um, there's still, I think, this lingering sense that, oh, well, I'll think about starting to save up for a house when I meet someone, or I think I'll start saving up for this goal or, you know, getting... Um, you fertility treatments when I get to that point in my relationship and the fact is it's taking longer for us to meet people and get married and so by the time we actually get to that point we only have like one or two years or, or maybe five years even if I'm being generous to, to, to achieve these goals you know to, to try to have have a baby or whatever and that gives you less and less time to save up for those things and in a lot of relationships you know you might think oh well when I have a second income stream I'll be able to get that down payment on the house but remember a lot of people now have debt so they may not be an asset when you get married they might be coming in with liability They should start taking charge of your financial future
1: yeah and um, you've given us so much great stuff today I want to finish before you tell us where we can find you online how does a dad get out of paying for his daughter's wedding? Is that going to be the norm in, in 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm only kidding.
2: Oh, I don't know, <laughs> man. <laughs> That's the conversation you left up. I daughter.
1: have to say, it's, <laughs> it's going to be 50 50. You know, times are changing.
2: <laughs> well, they are. I mean, a lot of couples are, I know couples too, do. <laughs> Uh, They pay for their guests, the parents pay for their guests, and the other parents pay for their guests. There's all
0: kinds of ways to do it. What's the key to (laughs) communication? That's for, we'll save that for a whole nother episode, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. Uh, Let's uh, have you tell our listeners where they can find you online.
2: Yeah, so I'm pretty much everywhere at Stephanie O'Connell. Stephanie is with an F, and O'Connell is double N, double L. And I do have um, a a really fun um, challenge I offer for my readers. It's just um, on the homepage of my website, you can find it. It's like a seven-day crash course in getting started, managing your mind. If it's something that gives you a lot of overwhelm or anxiety, it's a really great tool for getting started.
1: Great. Well, our listeners can find... That information and all the links from today's episode on idopodcast.com go to the podcast tab and you will be in the archives
2: excellent thank you for having
1: me
0: we hope you guys enjoy today's show if you want to check out the show notes or the interview links from today's show head on over to our website at IDupodcast.com. click on the podcast tab and you'll see this interview up at the top followed by all of our other past interviews. And while you're on our website, check out our 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge. We send you a daily email with doable challenges to help strengthen and make your relationship even better. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources in the form of downloadable guides and workbooks. Um, So for example, uh, some of the topics include how to cultivate respect in a relationship, how to heal from a bad breakup, step-by-step guides to help couples manage conflict, Uh, how to affair-proof your relationship. Those are just a few of the topics that we talk about uh, in these free guides. So if any of those sound interesting to you, you can check those out on our website at iDupodcast.com. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show.